It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Locked on Wild, your Minnesota Wild every day. We are a part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello, I am your host, Joe Bully of ZoneCoverage.com, and due to a lineup card snafu, yes, they pulled us aside before the game, before the podcast, and they pulled Tony out because I apparently did decided to put him down as a healthy scratch, even though I tried dressing him, and he is actually out tonight. So, I will press on ahead. The uh, Minnesota Wild went into Pittsburgh and completely laid an egg. And this is probably going to be our first podcast where we're actually reacting to game action. Really, it all started off, again, with that lineup card. Bruce Boudreau decided that he was going to play Greg Pattern and scratch um, Ryan Donato. And in his process of, after he submitted the card, he actually had it uh, where Pattern was was on the ice ready to play and Donato was was sitting out he was healthy scratch and the, the referees pulled him uh, pulled him aside prior to the game right before it got started and they had to uh, send pattern packing basically he went back to the dressing room he had to get undressed uh, Donato who essentially had a burger and, a, and some fries prior to the game and then um, had to basically get dressed in a hurry and get out back out to the uh, the wild bench uh, with no real warm-up or anything like that, comes out and doesn't play until about the 1751 mark of the second period. Yeah, it was a pretty big blunder by the wild head coach, and this is not something you normally attribute to Bruce Boudreaux, but he absolutely had a brain fart, and it's one of the goofiest things I think we've ever seen. And... Uh, Overall, like, normally you can count on Boudreaux, but um, I think it set the tone for really what's going on with this game because the Wild go in and lose a clunker 7-3 to against the Pittsburgh Penguins where Sidney Crosby just comes out and absolutely destroys them. The entire Pittsburgh Penguins team destroys them, and it wasn't even, like, a competitive fair. I mean, the Wild got into it sort of early in the third period when Marcus Foligno scored a... Goal number two for um, for Minnesota, and uh, you know brought it within four to two. But a couple, uh, you know, a bad shift right, pretty much right after that gave uh, gave the lead right back up or any sort of semblance, and the Wild just began to sulk, and it got worse and worse from there on out. And what's what's crazy is like for for Ryan Donato to try to come out, you know, it, it sounded like he was working out on the, uh, on the exercise bike or the stationary bike in the dressing room. And he was eating his burgers and fries, just like any other person that was in the building, uh, getting ready to just kind of do their workout and, and watch the game and be ready for the team, you know, his teammates and cheer him on that kind of thing. And all of a sudden he's thrust into a position where he's not really loose at all. He's not ready to play and he has to come out 
And mind you, this is prior to the game. So he comes out, sits on the bench for the entire first period and about 90% of the second period. And Boudreaux basically gave the uh, the rationale that he was trying to look for some stoppages in play to get him to get out on the ice and kind of tool around and, and loosen up the legs. But the 1751 mark of the second period is the, is when you finally get in. I mean, there's only two minutes left in that period, and finally he did get some more ice time. But, I mean, overall what we're talking about here is that you're sending a guy – you think that putting a, a goaltender – uh, in the third period, you know, after a, a shaky start is, is cold. Try, try putting a skater out there. I mean, that's when injuries happen. That's when hamstrings happen. Um, so it I mean, I know that uh, Donato got on and, and much like the rest of the wild looked pretty non-competitive, but overall, like that, that's a, that's kind of a weird thing to have happen. And again, I, and I know Brew owned up to the mistake, but it's one of the craziest little things that you'll probably see this season. I'm going to dive more into this game, and I'm going to dive into a little bit more right after a short pause. And on the other side, we'll talk about, or I'll talk about, uh, whether or not we should be sounding the alarm for another Minnesota Wild swoon. Is it swoon alert? You'll find out on the other side of this break. You are listening to Locked on Wild. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back here on Locked On Wild. I'm your host, Joe, and I'm going over kind of the fallout from the other destruction from the Pittsburgh Penguins. And, uh, you know, it's pretty crazy as... Uh, you know, the Wild now have lost uh, nine of their last 13, which I guess it means that we're sounding the alarm for a swoon. Oh, boy. Yep, that's correct. The Wild are now losers of nine of their last 13, and they've been outscored a grand total of 50 to 36. It's brutal, and I'm not going to sit here and try to mince words. Um, for the most part, we've been pretty positive in the run in, in the rollout of Locked On Wild, but this is kind of the first time we get to look at uh, an actual game, and it's been mostly awful. Yeah, I'm going to sound the alarm that this is a full fledged swoon. Now we've seen swoons in the past, uh, not so much under Boudreaux. I mean, we've seen you know slips in goaltending here and there. We've seen some poor play, but when you talk about a swoon, the swoon has really been like an extended period of losing and it's gone back th- through uh, a lot of the Mike Yo years ever since this current uh, wild have really come together back when we were talking, you know, it, Zach Parisi and Ryan Suter first starting and, and joining the team. And now it's, you know, they had a swoon to barely make the playoffs, kind of back their way in in 2013 in that lockout shortened season. They followed it up with a uh, a 2013-14 season that um, they ended up making it to the second round of the postseason. But if you remember that year, they actually went on a 13 of 18 where they lost 13 games in that run. And in 14-15, we had a... In, incredible losing stretch from right around the end of uh, of November to 
uh, all the way through the the beginning of January, where we the Wild lost seventeen of twenty four. That actually prompted the the Devin Dubnik trade. It was uh, a patented Mike Yo type run, and this Wild team just never seemed to really get off the Schneid until they went into Buffalo with Devin Dubnik and got a seven and nothing shutout. It was pretty incredible the turnaround that they did after that but these swoons uh were were certainly a a thing then too and then the following year in 2015-16 the wild went on a 16 of 19 stretch of a pure and utter ineptitude and that's what actually prompted the the firing of Mike Yo when uh, Mike Yo uh, I, I, the final loss against Boston basically said I'm there's no quit I'm I'm not quitting this team and he ultimately gets fired pretty much right after that the then they they named John Torchetti interim and then uh, eventually that offseason we get to Bruce Boudreau and like I said Bruce Boudreau has been mostly been pretty solid. And any swoons that they have had have been relatively short um, or caused to something pretty glaring. Like I said, we uh, the the one that caused the Wild to slip out of the top spot in the West and, and eventually lose the Western Conference to the Chicago Blackhawks was due to Dubnik's own struggles in the month of March, that uh, 16-17 season. And then the Wild didn't really have a swoon in his second year. It was it was more just kind of like an up and down, uh, five hundred meandering, mediocre kind of play. That ultimately, the the Wild. I mean, they got to the playoffs, but it wasn't like they were. There wasn't like that sixteen seventeen season where they really were a good team. And then, of course, last year we get to the point where the the Wild missed the postseason. It was the the Paul Fenton trades, and there was uh, I mean I suppose you could probably say there was a, a swoon there too, but that was also kind of like a huge influx of talented personalities in that room that was triggered by a number of trades by then general manager Paul Fenton. So. These wounds have certainly been a thing, has certainly been a thing with this group of Minnesota Wild. And and I'm just going to go ahead and sound that alarm that it's just not that pretty. It's uh, it's a full-fledged swoon, folks. And we're, I mean, I don't know what's 9 of 13, but it's it sure looks like this. And what we've seen, and, and the real big tipping point of a swoon is like, Okay, they start losing, they start losing, and and this losing starts to snowball onto it. But really, what it is is like against like the Pittsburgh Penguins or the Dallas Stars or just these teams that seem to just figure out ways to snowball goals against wild goaltenders or uh, you know just the team in general and just put out like these incredibly embarrassing performances on especially national TV. Now it's fine when the wilder inept on local TV, but when they go out on national TV around these times and, and just don't even look competitive, that's when you can say, Hey, look, that's a full fledged spoon. So 
Yeah, the the full fledged swoon is not great. Like I said, they they lost um, nine of their last thirteen and have been outscored fifty to thirty six. So overall, um, I think it's safe to say, and I don't know how it's going to get fixed. Uh, I am going to point the finger at the goaltending as the culprit of the of probably most of this year. It's been kind of in and out at, at best. And uh, when it's been worse, it's been, you know, get the women and children out and this ship is going down and they've played like the league's worst team. I don't believe that this group is the league's worst, but they certainly have the body language of the league's worst. And it's, it's pretty awful to, go to a, you know, turn on the game and they're already down, you know, two nothing early in the first. And then it just begins to snowball in the second period. And then, Oh, they're going to show just a little bit of life in the third period to the point where it's just, the other team is just too damn good. They, they impress their will on, on the wild and, and the wild basically let them run rough shot all over them. It's, um, and that's just not a Pittsburgh thing, too. I mean, it's happened against many other teams, but it always seems to be Pittsburgh. And I guess that's the funny part, too, because on the other side of this break, I'm going to talk about the Wild in their overall ineptitude against the Pittsburgh Penguins, which, if you remember, the Wild's last, I guess, uh, not Paul Fenton, obviously, but... Uh, between Chuck Fletcher and now uh, Bill Guerin, their their GMs have come from that Pittsburgh organization. I mean, Mike Yo, who was the head coach for years, came from that Pittsburgh organization. And when they want to play the Penguins, they definitely want to beat them. This is no different from like when Bruce Boudreaux would go to the Capitals or play against Anaheim and you know feel a little bit like motivated to actually beat that team you know the teams that fired him now this might not be like a hey you fired me and i want to get you just to spite you kind of thing this is a i want to show my team to my former boss and my former colleagues whom i work together and ultimately what's going on is it's like i've got to basically just say well it is what it is so on the other side of this break we'll go ahead and break down the ineptitude that is the wild against the Pittsburgh Penguins. You are listening to Locked On Wild, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Gil Martin here, host of the Locked On NHL podcast. Join me every Monday for the three biggest stories from across the NHL, including how newly traded players are fitting in around the league. Check out the Locked On NHL podcast every Monday, available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Locked On Wild Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Joe. And during the break, I got a dispatch from Tony from the locker room. Remember, he's a healthy scratch due to a wild lineup card snafu. Uh, He hates losing, and the wild made him sad. So that's the update from the locker room. Back to you. No, I'm just kidding. Anyways, we're going to get right back into it here. Um, The wild versus Pittsburgh. It hasn't been great going all the way back to the 2013-14 season when the 
leagues again started playing across uh, the, their conferences again. Remember during that lockout shortened season, it was you were limited to like 48 games just within your conference. Back in 13-14, that's when the, the, the league decided that, they, okay, well, the Eastern Conference was going to play the Western Conference in at least one home game for each team. So now we get to the point where the where the teams are hosting a home game and they play about two games a season. So we go back. The Wild were 1-1 one and one to start off in 2013-14. And then it was 0-2. 0-2. and 2-0 in the 16-17 season, which was Bruce Brugereau's first season with the Minnesota Wild behind the bench. Then they followed it up with a 1-1 record. Then it was 0-2. And then 0-2. This has been a pattern. It hasn't just been one coach. It hasn't been one GM. It's been this group. And, and Pittsburgh obviously has been a great team during that stretch too. I mean, they've won back-to-back Stanley Cups. They've been one of the upper echelon teams out east, uh, consistently making the postseason, consistently making it to the later rounds of the of the Stanley Cup playoffs. But when you go and get like a four and ten record against one team, and it's usually a shellacking, it's a complete an utter ineptitude against one particular team. And I'm not sure if it's Sidney Crosby or if it's, you know, Evgeny Malkin or maybe it's Matt Cullen, which obviously that didn't have take place in, uh, in tonight's game, but it's crazy to look at this kind of record and think, okay, yeah, this team is, is competitive against the upper echelon teams of the NHL when they can't even win. This is the same situation. Like, that the Vikings faced this year where it was like, yeah, they could play and be competitive against teams that weren't going to be your playoff teams or your, or your over 500 teams. But you know, when it came to prime time, when it came to national TV, when it came to playing the teams that you probably shouldn't win against, and they look completely outclassed. And that's exactly what happened against the Penguins um, on, uh, on Tuesday night. So and I'm trying to figure out, okay, what goes into this four and 10 record? I mean, sure. Like the goaltending hasn't been great. I mean, there's been some pretty big blowouts at the hands of the Pittsburgh Penguins, but there's also been some close games that they've lost as well. And it can't just be goaltending. The shooters haven't really held up their part either. And I know in tonight's game, it was Tristan Jerry who was in net in between the pipes for the Pittsburgh Penguins, but, and he's had a relatively strong season. He's had, 51 games in the NHL so far. Uh, this season, he's had 22 games played, and he's 20, 15, and 6 with a, a 9.32 save percentage and a 2.08 goals against average, which is by far the best performance he's had so far in the NHL. And yet the skaters of the Minnesota Wild completely let him off the hook. They couldn't get anything going in terms of scoring chances in the first period. And... I know they got three high-danger scoring chances in the second period, but ultimately that didn't really matter when you're giving up six, you know, and the and it's it, it, the, the imbalance there wasn't great. I mean, sure, the Wild on paper looked like they controlled, like, the shot attempts for the most part through uh, a little over two periods of that game, but that's just it. They weren't really getting to the dirty areas. They let them off the hook, I said, in the first period, so by the time that they're already down to nothing – Pittsburgh Penguins, all they got to do is just basically attack you in transition. And exactly, that's exactly what they do best. I mean, Zach Parisi basically said it now, I'm par- par- uh, paraphrasing here, but in the in a 
post-game interview, he basically said, look, this team comes at you at waves. They come at you. It seems like always three guys are on the puck, and they're doing it like 100 miles an hour. The team speed completely got exposed of the Minnesota Wild tonight on national TV. They also just showed like a complete lack of like real good body language out there. I mean, sure. They're getting their, their can beat in a little bit here, but at the same time, it's one of those things that the wild got to do better at the beginnings of the game. This is now going back to the Vancouver game where they had just three shots on goal in the first period. This is going back to the flames game where they couldn't really score much at all. Um, it's been now a run and this is, this is what happens during swoons. This is what happens when you can't, play competitively against a team from the Eastern Conference that you only see twice. This is what happens when you aren't ready to play the game. And that goes back to Bruce Boudreaux making a snafu on the lineup card and and not getting the lineup correct. It was just an abundance of follies tonight in Pittsburgh from the Minnesota Wild. Now, I know that you get to come back home and they got a chance to really get going, but really, like, for as much as home ice advantage that they've kind of had in the previous, uh, you know, in the previous half of the season where, you know, it was so road heavy and they weren't great on the road, but yet, and they also were able to create a little bit of magic on home ice. That's not the case anymore, at least in this most recent run where they're getting beaten pretty well on home ice. So it's great that you've got a home ice advantage or at least the majority of your home games left to, to, to play here going through the second half, but you got to take advantage of that. And the Wild uh, are, are, are clearly they're slipping out of the the postseason picture right now. But if there was ever a chance to do it, this is where they got to make their hay. And this stretch that's coming up, we talked about it on yesterday's episode of um, of I'm sorry, it was uh, Monday's episode of Lockdown Wild. Tony and I we talked about the the next stretch coming up and how difficult this is. So if they're gonna at least try to get to that playoff picture, they gotta steal some of these wins. They've gotta steal some some of this action against teams that they're not supposed to beat. And that's gonna come that's gonna come by starting fast. That's gonna be that's gonna come by not creating an incorrect lineup card. For for God's sakes, you gotta play the game right away and be ready to go. Oh, what a tough game. Anyways, I think that'll do it this week for Locked on Wild. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button so your device sends it to you every time there's a new episode without having to do any work. Please leave a review and a rating on whatever podcast service you use. You can also follow the podcast on Twitter. Just look up at Locked on Wild. By the way, I forgot to mention, you can also follow me personally at JoeBoo15. And you can also follow all my work on ZoneCoverage.com. Thank you for listening to Lockdown Wild, and be sure to check us out every Monday through Friday to stay on top of everything revolving around your team every day. Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.